34 down, 331 to go. This is at a theater near me. My name is Chris, and this is the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. We're going to be talking about the movies GameStop, Rise of the Players, as well as Jockey. Uh, Concessions Month, of course, is still rolling in, so we're going to talk about Reese's Pieces, but I think the most important thing is the weather and how that's going to affect travel as well as uh, kind of the upcoming schedule for this weekend. So let's get right into that. Uh, This will probably probably be a pretty short show, I think, this episode, uh, because the second I'm done taping this, I'm on the road, and I think I'm going to end up heading to Stamford, Connecticut, I think is the plan. Uh, Why Stamford? Well, there is a, if you're not in this area, there is a snowstorm that's going to hit New Hampshire. I think where I am in New Hampshire is probably going to get about a foot of snow. South of New Hampshire, basically almost right at the state line, you're going to see a situation where it's supposed to be either a snow-rain mix, but eventually it's going to then turn into uh, icy conditions that's going to blanket a good amount of Massachusetts. Now, I think if you went Southern Mass or even Rhode Island or parts of Connecticut that might be closer to me, it might be a situation where this is just rain and this isn't a big deal. And I'm probably overdoing this. I think I need to be cautious here. I, I don't think I can take really any risks because if I'm in a situation where everything gets iced over, I don't even know if, you know, can I even drive in that? How do I, how, what would I do? Is it, it's, it could be just difficult circumstances. So I'm just going to bite the bullet and just go all the way to Stanford. Uh, Stanford works for a few reasons. A, it has train travel right to New York City pretty easily. Um, so if everything in Stanford is closed, I think I can get on a train um, and, and hit New York, which there'll be a theater there that's open. Reason number two is Stanford has three movie theaters right in the downtown. That way, you know, if one is closed and the other two might be open, I think two of them may be the same company, but at least there's, you know, so there's some sort of company mandate and I, I could be out of luck, but there should still be one more theater that would be open. And all three movies, theaters are playing at least one movie that I haven't seen. So I think I might be in good shape there. And there's also a bunch of hotels in that area. So I'm hoping that I can... I can kind of make that work. If Even if I can't drive for whatever reason, I could, I could walk to wherever I need to go. So hopefully there's enough options there. I, I haven't 100% settled on Stanford yet, but I, I think that's going to be the, the go-to here. So by the time you hear this Friday morning, I'm, I'm guessing I'll be in Stanford. I think the plan here is to see a movie as soon as I can on Friday. So uh, it sounds like the weather is going to start off being very warm during even the overnight hours. And then once morning hits, uh, especially in that area, it's going to get cold really quick. It could be like a 20 degree drop off. So I don't want to have a situation where I decide not to see a movie. Matinees are available and then it's nighttime and oh, no, the roads are really bad. We're closing the theaters early. So the first movie that is available that I haven't seen in that area is Sundown. Um, which is the Tim Roth movie. Now, it's opening weekend for that movie. In theory, isn't the strategy that I would, I would like to pursue, but that's not getting a wide release. So I feel comfortable enough seeing that where it's not like I'm seeing, you know, Jackass or Moonfall. Those are both opening this weekend that are going to be in theaters for a while, especially Jackass. That's getting great buzz. Good, re- really good reviews. People seem excited about it. That's the first movie that's come out this calendar year that people, I mean, scream to some extent too, but I feel like Jackass is really, you could see, I think some big box office numbers for that this weekend. So I think the plan is to see sundown, uh, and just get that movie out of the way, check that box. That way, at least I know, all right, I got that done. And then I can, you know, spend the rest of the day, maybe in Stanford, Stanford, also the home of Bobby Valentine, the old Mets manager. There's a, uh, he has a restaurant there, Bobby V's. He also claims to have invented the panini. 
So I might have to go to Bobby V's and, and check that out if I'm in Stanford. I think they also have a, a mall so I can walk around there if it's raining and I'm, I'm bored. Uh, so I think Stanford might might be the play here. But I'll, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, follow you know at a theater near me uh, on Twitter, I'll post Stanford updates if that's where I am or wherever I end up being. Yeah, oh, so then on Saturday, I think the plan is for me to leave wherever I am in Connecticut and then go to Milford, Connecticut, which is a town uh, about a half hour from the Stanford area. They're playing Kung Fu Panda. That's the Jack Black um, cartoon that came out like 14 years ago, I think. Um, I think it's getting a one week release at, at very uh, select theaters. So I think I might try to see that. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is it's, it is rated PG, but it's a cartoon and I'm going to be by myself, I think. So I don't, is that, is that going to be weird? It probably is. Hopefully I can try to get a showing. I think I might try to go get an earlier showing. So hopefully there aren't early enough where maybe there aren't kids there. If it's icy roads the night before, I don't know. Our kids really want to see Kung Fu Panda. I don't know. So that that is like seeing cartoons by myself is something I really don't want to do, but it's hard not to see a movie that I don't know if I'll have any other chance to see. So I think the plan right now is Kung Fu Panda, but uh, uh, that's tentative as well. And then I know when I get back on Sunday, I'm going to see a silent film uh, in Wilton, but we'll, I'll talk to you guys before that. Um, unless the power is out here, there's some sort of, you know, I never escaped Connecticut. Uh, I'll, you'll have a new episode up on, on Sunday morning. Okay. So let's talk concessions month. It is concessions month. This uh, episode, I'm talking about Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces is a really good candy. Uh, I think it's a really good movie theater candy too. It goes really well with, with the cold soda. Uh, doesn't make a mess. You know, obviously the same consistency as M&M's, so you have that going for it. Big Reese's Pieces guy. I will say though, it does not, it's not at the level of Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids still king of the mountain for concession month. No question about it. The thing about Sour Patch Kids that I really like is that I feel I can have Sour Patch Kids pretty regularly. I, I enjoy Sour Patch Kids quite a bit. Reese's Pieces, I, that's like special occasion. You know, once once a month, once, you know, every couple months you have Reese's Pieces is a nice treat. But I don't know if I could eat Reese's Pieces like every week where I, I could do that with Sour Patch Kids. So for that reason, you know, I, I got to go with Sour Patch Kids, you know, ho holding the line there. But Reese's Pieces has an interesting history. So I've always wondered like, who the fuck is this Reese? Like, you know, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Reese's Pieces, who is this guy? So guy's name is H.B. Reese, and he worked at Hershey in Hershey, Pennsylvania as a foreman in their factory, but he used to make his own candy at home in his basement. This guy was just, just loved candy. I always wanted to do his own thing and eventually quit Hershey and say, like, I'm going to start my own business. He does that and he creates the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup in 1928. He ends up, because of the Peanut Butter Cup's success, he has other candies going on. He ends up building this company to be a pretty big competitor to Hershey. Meanwhile, they're based in Hershey too. So you have both, you know, typical Hershey, I give Hershey bars and everything. And you have, you know, Reese has his own shit going on. He, Reese is a maniac. He has 16 kids, 16 kids before he even creates the Hershey's peanut butter cup. So he has all these bills. He had a couple mortgages on these factories, but the Reese's peanut butter cup was so successful. He was able to pay off all of his mortgages. And then eventually he dies in 1956. He's on vacation. He dies. He's an older guy. I think he's late seventies at that point. And then seven years later in 1963, four of his sons who inherited, uh, the company end up doing a merge. So it's not like Hershey bought them out. It was a tax free merge. Uh, they merged the two companies together and that's kind of how Hershey became such a, a major player in, I mean, not they weren't already, but they really, now they had, uh, they had the peanut butter cups in their back pocket. And by 1969, Reese's peanut butter cups was the number one candy that Hershey sold, but Reese's peanut butter, uh, Reese's pieces rather had not yet been invented. That wouldn't happen until the late seventies, uh, 1978. Uh, they originally called PBs. 
just like Sour Patch Kids was like the Mars Men. These were PVs. Uh, but eventually, uh, very quickly, they changed the name to Reese's Pieces. Sales started off strong for Reese's Pieces, but by 1982, sales weren't doing as well. And then um, E.T. comes out. So the thing with E.T. was E.T. originally was supposed, they wanted to have it be M&M's that E.T. has. But Mars Company, who owns m and said no. Uh, now, I don't know what the deal was. I'm sure they were obviously some sort of, it was a product placement. So maybe they were asking for too much, Mars thought at the time, whatever it was. And obviously E.T. becomes, you know, biggest box office hit uh, of, of that era. Huge, you know, huge mistake by by Mars there. Uh, Reese's Pieces, meanwhile, their sales went up 300% because of the product placement they had in E.T. The color breakdown for Reese's Pieces, uh, 50% orange, 25% brown, and 25% yellow. I guess when they were originally trying to do, you know, make the Reese's Pieces, they were trying to use the same peanut butter that you have in the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, and that didn't work. So what you have in Reese's Pieces, which uh, that didn't surprise me at all, because it tastes very, it does taste different than a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay, so that's Reese's Pieces. So Reese's Pieces, very good candy. It's good as Sour Patch Kids. All right, let's get into the reviews. Uh, GameStop, Rise of the Players. I walked into this movie and I was like, uh, is there really even a story here? Like it just felt too, I don't know if it's safe, felt too reasonable, but it's, it's, I just didn't know if there was enough there. I walked out completely believing there was enough story here, but I think the way it was directed and edited left a lot to be desired. This was directed by Jonah Tullis. And the issue here is a few issues. From a documentary standpoint, they followed around too many people. They they have basically, I see follow around. They actually didn't follow around anyone. They interviewed too many people. It follows the story of 12 different people that invested in GameStop. Um, of course, as you know, GameStop uh, was a, a struggling stock and then uh, it ended up becoming sort of a, a rallying cry against against the hedge funds and the stock really blew up. It, it I don't because you have twelve different people. It's following a it's talking to rather. It doesn't spend enough time with them, so we don't really get their story. So it's hard to get too invested in them and, and what what they're going through. Where some of them have some interesting stories. For instance, one person uh, is going through cancer treatments, but we never really find out what happens there or how that person's doing uh, because it, it spends such little time with that person. Two other people uh, live in a van. Uh, going all around the country. Doesn't talk about them. That sounds a pretty interesting way of life. I'd I love to hear more about that. Uh, and it just kind of skips right over. Instead, it spent a good amount of the running time showing us old footage of either news broadcasts of that time or like gifts and memes. Now, obviously I know like that meme culture was what drove a lot of this. I don't know if I need to see those memes over and over again in, in the movie theater, but I, you know, maybe from a, a time capsule perspective, like you could show this to someone 40 years from now and you know, they would never have seen those memes and they might not, they might just think this is kind of a fun relic. I could see it, I guess, in that standpoint, but where this just happened a year ago, it, it didn't have any sort of that nostalgia or, or bizarreness that I think was needed. It just, it just felt like old jokes you saw 18 months ago when I was really much more interested in hearing about the people themselves. If you don't know the story, what happened was the guy that ran the company Chewy, uh, the dog uh, and cat supply company, he bought more and more and more of GameStop until he ends up becoming chairman of the board. But this documentary never, never, never interviews him. And he's probably the most interesting and certainly most important figure of this story. Another important figure is this guy called Roaring Kitty, uh, who seemed like a really interesting guy. I guess he's kind of fallen off the map from a public figure perspective, but did they even try to get him interviewed? Like it, it, it seemed more, much more interested in kind of telling the GIF and meme 
what it was like to be there element as opposed to telling us the story of these people. And as, a, as someone who I do enjoy documentaries, but I really do almost always enjoy the stories of the people more than I enjoy just kind of the, the basic arc narrative, especially when it happened only a year ago. So GameStop Rise of Players, going to get a C minus for me. It's too bad because I, I would like to see an interesting documentary about that. Uh, you know, maybe in a few years. I also just think that it might have a little bit of, you know, uh, reverse recency bias there. Okay, Jockey. This is a pretty interesting movie. This was uh, this stars Clifton Collins Jr. You might know him from Westworld. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's in Traffic. Uh, he's in Star Trek. Um, the Last Castle. Do you seen that with Robert Redford, James Gandolfini? He's a character actor, and this movie is completely on his shoulders. He plays a uh, a broken down jockey who's just basically trying to come to terms with the fact that his career is is really close to ending and his body just can't handle this anymore. I am not a big horse racing guy. In fact, I think I have some ethical issues with horse racing, how they treat the horses and also how they treat the jockeys. It's just not, not a sport I, I think is, is, a, is a great thing for society. You don't need to be a horse racing fan. You don't need to have anything to do with horse racing to enjoy this movie, uh, especially the performance of uh, Clifton Collins. This is just, it's a very quiet movie and it, it never does too much. Collins, it's a shame. This movie is almost, I think is probably too small for him to get an Academy Award nomination, but damn, if he doesn't deserve one, he is very good in this. I know this movie's hard to see. I'm guessing a lot of you folks might not be able to catch it where you are locally. It's playing, if you're in the Boston area, it's playing, uh, I saw it in Cambridge at the uh, landmark Kendall Square Theater, but uh, go, if you can check this out, check, watch this. It's very good. It's going to get a, a, it's going to get a B plus from me. It, the performances are fantastic. It's, it's done very inexpensively, I'm sure, but it never feels cheap. You can tell they, they're not using expensive, you know, everything's obviously done on location. They're not using these studio sets, but I like that. I liked how it made it feel more real. It's a, it's a quick movie. You're in and out in about an hour and a half. Uh, there's, I don't have a ton of complaints here. It's, it's a, it's a very interesting story of, you know, it's a character study. It, more than you know a true narrative story but it was a character study of someone i was very interested in and i i really enjoyed this tale of a world i didn't know a lot about and i still found really captivating and interesting uh, one last note i'll leave you with this kind of this landmark theater experience i had today w was pretty odd so i get there and um i'll i'll put a i'll put a picture up on twitter uh of the uh so i go into the theater and landmark kendall's uh, Square Cinema, has, has, oh, I've always had a really good experience there, but this was a different theater. This was Theater 6, which is way in the back. Uh, I'm guessing that might be like their worst theater because I go in there and there's two chairs there. They have like, a, they have them roped off with like caution tape and it ends up like the ceiling is leaking. It's like a dripping on this, on these two chairs. I, I'm just kind of shocked. I mean, I guess it's good they didn't close the theater down or else I would have been shit out of luck. But when the theater, I saw so the first one in there, I got there early and it was really loud and obvious. But once the movie started playing, it was, I couldn't, and I sat, I tried to stay as far away from the dripping seats as possible. So I a, wouldn't hear them and B wouldn't get wet, obviously. So I, once the movie started, I, I didn't, I totally forgot about it, but it was just, it was very bizarre. Uh, Cause you know, this was a, this theater has been renovated pretty recently. I would think like water damage could play a negative role on this, this, keeping this theater pristine. So that was strange. The other thing that was weird. So during the movie, which Jockey is a pretty serious film. There's a couple, I guess, things that are like a couple jokes in it, but not, you know, this is a very serious drama with a lot of very quiet moments. So I'm in the theater. Uh, I'm sitting, I, like I say, I always like to sit up, up front. So I'm in like the third row. There's a guy maybe in like the eighth row and a younger guy, maybe in his like thirties. And there's a guy probably in his like fifties or sixties in like say row 10. So I have no idea which guy this was, but at six different times in the movie at very dramatic parts, 
this guy is laughing his ass off. I don't understand. But meanwhile, he never laughed at the funny parts. And it wasn't just like a, a snicker, like, oh, like, like a dark, like, oh, you know, that's, that's funny in a dark comedic way. It was like he's watching like a Farrelly Brothers movie, like a, like a real belly laugh. It's very bizarre. He's also like, when he, when he came in and sat down, he did one of the big, like, oh, like very dramatic, you know, like in the men's room of guys are peeing. They're like very, some people are very dramatic about it, like really loud grunting noises. Like it's, a, it's this big, you know, it's a very big exertion for them to, to pee. It was like that with this guy sitting down. Uh, and then he had, you know, five or six of these laughs um, at, at odd times. But meanwhile, never laughed at the funny parts. I don't know if it's like a Tourette's thing, but then the fact that he sat down and made that like big exhale makes me think it's not. It was very strange. So I, I don't, I don't know. That was uh, one of the weirder, I, know, I haven't really been around a lot of people doing this, doing this uh, trip so far any of these movies, most of the times the theaters are pretty empty, obviously. So I haven't had a lot of weird audience uh, experiences, but that's easily the most bizarre one. Strange did not affect the movie though, luckily. So Jockey was still, was still entertaining. So uh, a B plus from Jockey, check that out if you can. So it sounds like next time you talk to me, I'll be back from Connecticut, I guess. And I'll be, have seen maybe Sundown um, and then maybe Kung Fu Panda. That's the idea right now. But obviously, uh, you can follow uh, on Instagram. Uh, I think it's at a theater is, uh, you can follow me there. Uh, I post pictures of all the theaters I go to. Um, so every single day is a different post up. Uh, and then uh, obviously check on Twitter if you want updates and kind of like what's going on with the travel. I'll do my best I can to update you there as well. Other than that, I'll talk to you folks on Sunday morning.